thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Elizabeth. If this is your first time joining, welcome, welcome, welcome. Please pull up a chair. Please have some hot tea. Enjoy a relaxing environment so that we can just chat for the little bit of time that I have your attention. I hope that this episode fills your cup and I hope that you can not only join us for this episode, but join us in future episodes. This is the first episode of this new season where we're going to pull the curtain back a little bit more. I'm a huge proponent of education. I truly love learning about people, our differences, nuances of experiences, culture, culture within the home, culture within countries, languages, leveraging information about ourselves and about others to do amazing things. I love that stuff. I I think it's I can't get enough of it. And I think that many people don't recognize how important that information is. And so what I want to do this season is really start to build a treasure trove of information for you so that you can get to know who you are, how you show up, respective to conflict, respective to negotiating, and even within your relationships, and also help you to navigate and to manage some of your defaults. We all have defaults that need to be managed and we all need to make sure that we're much more intentional about the actions that we take so that we are managing our defaults effectively. So in this episode, we are going to discuss the Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument. I know that's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but we'll call it TKI. That's the, the, the shortened abbreviation. Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument TKI, if you've ever attended any of my live trainings, whether it is virtual or in person, if I've done a coaching session with you, you know it is something that I always give a nod to. Essentially, according to this instrument, there are five different conflict styles. And my personal belief is that it is so important and vital to know your conflict style so that you can start to navigate the different styles and move appropriately. In this episode, we're going to talk about two styles. The first style is avoidance or avoiding. And the second style is accommodating. We're going to talk about those two styles in the next episode, which will be part two. We'll dig into the other three styles. Before we dig deeper into this tasty episode or tuck in as many British hosts, dinner hosts like to say, I love that, by the way. So shout out to the women in the United Kingdom. Let's tuck in together. Before we tuck in, I want to raise four ways that you can support this podcast. Number one, you can subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much to the new subscribers. I see the numbers going up through Spotify, and that's super encouraging and exciting. So thank you. Number two, please feel free to share this episode with a friend or a coworker, a cousin, an aunt, etc. Even if it's not this episode, you can share one of your favorite episodes. If there is an episode that blessed you, please share it. That's super helpful. Number three, follow me on social media. I am on social media at We Resolve to Win. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, you guys, y'all. I have finally gotten on TikTok and TikTok is like quicksand. You get on TikTok, you look up and (laughs) you're in another month. You're like, wait, where have I been for the past 30 days? TikTok is like quicksand, but I'm going to start using it and leveraging it. I'm going to start talking about a number of very specific things respective to negotiating. And in this season, we'll talk about it later on this episode. In this season, 
we're going to go a little bit deeper respective to certain types of negotiations and certain contracts within the workplace. But hold your horses. We'll get there. I promise. So follow me on social media. On Twitter, I am doing a 365-day tip challenge. Every single day, I am releasing one tip so that you can manage your conflict better. I'm currently on day six as of this episode. And if you want to join, follow me on Twitter. If you see anything that is yummy to you and you're like, oh, that's good. I like that. Feel free to retweet it. Let's get the word out. We as women absolutely want to make sure that we are flexing our courage muscle. And we want to make sure that we are sharing information. Don't gatekeep information. We are not doing that in 2023. The world is big and small. We are not gatekeeping information. So if there's something that you see on Twitter that I've shared, if there's something that has helped you in this episode, we are sharing. All right. And finally, please give feedback. I love feedback. I'm a geriatric millennial. Feedback is just the way I grew up. I firmly believe that feedback is a gift. So please, 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 if you want to leave a voice note, there is a link in the description to where you can provide feedback verbally, or if you would like to shoot me a quick note, you can slide in the DMs or you can send me an email at weresolvetowin at gmail.com. Okay, so let's get into this episode. Okay, so I would like to reemphasize why this information is important. I am not being sponsored by TKI. If you're if you're from the TKI Institute and you want to reach out and cut me a check, feel free. <laughs> but I am not being sponsored by them. However, the information is vital. It is important and you don't know what you don't know. It's so important to know how we show up in life. It's important to know how we move and it also is important to get information so that we can move better. It's so important to know that you have options. You don't have to do it the way that you've always done it. You don't have to do it the way your sister does it. You don't have to do it the way your mom does it. You have options. And so if you find yourself dealing with conflict in the same way that you've always dealt with it in the same, you know, there are some people that we have in our lives that are just like, well, this is how I've always been. And I, who you see now is who I've been since I was 14. And, you know, I, I'm, this is just who I am. That is not a flex, right? We are not flexing that we've been the same for the past 50 years. What we do want is growth. We want development and we want to flex our courage muscle. Again, you'll always hear me say that on every episode because it's so true. We want to be aware of how we show up so that we can do better. And maybe you're showing up in a great way. And if you are, excellent. Keep doing that. But if there is an opportunity for improvement, why not take that? Often as individuals, we need someone to hold up a mirror to us and say, This is what you've normalized. Coaches do that. Therapists do that. Really good friends who are not afraid to say, girl, stop. They do that as well. So let's talk about TKI. According to TKI, there are five styles of conflict management. Again, we're only talking about two in this episode. We'll talk about the last three in the next episode. The first one is accommodating. The second one is avoiding. Let's talk about accommodating. So the TKI looks at two main dimensions. The first one is assertiveness. It looks at how you satisfy your own concerns during a conflict. So basically, 
do you get your needs met and do you receive support for your ideas? If you are at work and you are debating a marketing project, for example, and you say, this is something that I would really like to do and you have someone who you're discussing the idea with, if the person sees your idea, hears your idea, looks at the presentation and says, I really don't know if I like that. If you're like, oh yeah, I I think we can remove it. That's totally fine. Chances are that you lack assertiveness you aren't getting your needs satisfied and you aren't getting the support that you need for your own ideas. So the TKI begins with identifying two basic dimensions of conflict behavior. First, assertiveness and second, cooperativeness. Assertiveness is the degree to which you try to satisfy your own concerns or needs during a conflict. Cooperativeness is the opposite. It's the degree to which you try to satisfy the other individual's needs. You already know where I'm going with this in this episode. So again, let's talk about assertiveness. If you are a person who is assertive, chances are you're really good at getting your needs met in the middle of a disagreement, in the middle of a conflict, etc. If you're someone who is much more cooperative, chances are that you may lean into and ensure that the other person is much more satisfied and that their concerns are met. So now let's talk about the accommodating style. Accommodators are generally unassertive and cooperative. They are unassertive, but they are cooperative. And so these individuals are people who play the role of the martyr. They're the person who can be subdued. They're the ones who may complain a lot about some things, but they're not necessarily going to take action to make changes respective to whatever that particular conflict is. Accommodation can be useful. It can be useful when you're admitting that you're wrong. It can be useful when you are debating something that is small. So accommodation has its benefits. It it can be beneficial to show up as someone who is not going to make a big deal about something that's small. What do you want to eat tonight? I'm in a mood for tacos. Oh, you're in a mood for tacos? I was thinking about sushi, but it's not a big deal. Let's go ahead and get get tacos, right? Something small to that effect. It, It may not be something worth competing over, battling over. We just want to get dinner. We want to be satiated and we want to have a peaceful night. So there are advantages to the accommodating style. It allows conflicts to be resolved fairly quickly. Right. If you find that you are in a situation where there's a stalemate, one benefit to having an accommodating style is that it maintains harmony. You can be seen as someone who acts selflessly and it can earn you some goodwill and appreciation from others. You're not the person that's going to battle every single thing, nitpick. every. Are you saying this? Are you saying that? Are you saying you're, you're not that person? So if you're a person who generally accommodates, there actually are some benefits. I will be honest with you accommodation is my default. My default is accommodation. And the reason why that is the case is because I don't like arguing over small bits and pieces. There are times where I will get into a text discussion with a friend, for example, and I'll say something and the friend will say something and I'll just respond with, okay. And the reason why I'll send a text message response with okay is because I want to maintain the harmony. I'm not one of these individuals who want to go back and forth on things that really don't make a difference in my day. And so I often default to accommodating. And although we have talked about the fact that there are some benefits 
and advantages to accommodating, there are a number of very serious disadvantages. Number one, if you are in a position of leadership at your job, for example, and you are regularly accommodating to individuals, it can create a power imbalance. It can create resentment. It can create anger and it can create a lot of frustration because you may feel that your voice is not heard or respected in the room by virtue of the habit that you created, which is whenever there is an issue or concern or debate, you are going to accommodate. Also, another disadvantage is that accommodating can undermine your confidence and your contribution. If you have done great things for a relationship, you've been in this relationship with this individual, you love this person, you regularly find yourself pouring into this individual, pouring into the relationship, etc. However, you are also accommodating whenever the person wants to watch a particular movie, whenever the person wants to go to a particular place whenever a person believes that fun is defined as xyz for example that may undermine your confidence as a person in that relationship you may find that your contributions are not being recognized and seen as well and it may ultimately impact your ability to show up as the partner that you want to show up as so that is accommodating and i know you're wondering oh my goodness I'm accommodating as well, Elizabeth. What am I going to do about it? We will talk about certain tangible, specific things that you can do to start to lean into the other styles and to manage your default respective to conflict and respective to your relationships at the end of this episode collectively. So it won't be part one. It will definitely be part two. Alrighty. So now let's talk about the avoider. The avoider. This individual is someone who doesn't want to deal with conflict ever. They will run away and make sure that if they see conflict coming their way, they are going to backpedal and backpedal and backpedal. This is the person that if you have a concern that you want to address with them, they're wondering, where do we go from here? Why is my heart filled with so much fear? This person is steering, and which, by the way, that's a nod to Deborah Cox for all of you who who are unaware. <laughs> Amazing song. I'll drop it in the description below. This person is going to steer clear of danger, which has its benefits. I am a huge proponent of not being avoidant in any regards with conflict, there actually are some benefits to avoiding certain situations and and conflict. One, it can reduce stress. If you are in the mode where you have very limited capacity, very limited emotional bandwidth to deal with stress, avoiding it can actually help because you are not piling on more on your plate. Now, is it something that you should avoid forever? Absolutely not. But perhaps you don't have an hour to sit down with a coworker to talk about the fact that she feels disrespected whenever you raise a disagreeing point. Perhaps you don't have the emotional bandwidth that at the end of the day, after you have done all the things that you needed to do, whatever your, your day looks like, you find that you don't have the capacity to sit and talk about why you never wash dishes. And to that point, let's go ahead and talk about today's sponsored product. Those of you who have listened to this podcast or attended my trainings, etc., you know that I hate 
washing dishes. I absolutely, it's the worst chore to me. I don't know why I hate it. it it's, it's just something that <laughs> there's nothing amazing to me about washing dishes. I would rather rake a football field filled with leaves than wash dishes. It's that serious for me. And so I had a plumbing issue over the last six months plus. For whatever reason, I had low pressure. The dishwasher wasn't washing the way it needed to. I got a dishwasher replaced. I thought it was the machine itself. Got a brand new dishwasher. Still encountered the same issue. Found out that it was a plumbing. Got three different plumbers. Finally, they concluded, hey, you have this huge piece that needs to be replaced, etc., etc. So I had to get back to the point of washing dishes by hand. Cue the tiny violin. I had to get back to the point of washing the dishes by hand. And I just wanted to, to just eat from the plastic plates. I was like, we can do better than this. We don't have to wash these dishes. But we're adults. We decided that we're going to go ahead and find a way to make it fun. So one of the things that I've done was I've upgraded my equipment. I now use the Scrub Mommy. The Scrub Mommy is the second edition from the Scrub Daddy. Many of you may know about it because it was popularized on the show Shark Tank. And I love the Scrub Mommy one because it has two different textures. One texture is a bit more traditional and spongy and the other texture has this really dense plastic overlay that does a really good job of cleaning the dishes. And so I've been using the Scrub Mommy it's super cute. It makes it fun. It helps me to teach my kids how to wash dishes because I'm like, if I got to be in the struggle, y'all are coming with me. So with that being said, if you are also washing dishes by hand, why don't you pick up a scrub mommy? The link is in the description. Okay, so now let's get back to the benefits of the avoidant conflict style. So I'll give you one specific situation that I encountered at a previous employer. I was meeting with a leader within the organization and the leader said something that was absolutely incorrect and was not based in any viable information. And I wanted to make sure that she was aware that there are better pieces of information respective to that particular topic. So I raised it. It made her a little bit uncomfortable, but it started to turn into a very uncomfortable situation. I had a couple of options in front of me. I had an option to reduce my stress, save time, steer clear of some danger, and set up some favorable conditions respective to how she wanted to move, or I could have continued the debate, and the word debate always brings a lot of concern for people, but the truth of the matter is, is a debate is basically a back and forth conversation. And so I could have continued the conversation. However, I found that it was a better use of the time to get her the information that I thought would be beneficial to her and leave it alone. Did I do avoiding? Absolutely. I did avoiding because I knew that in that particular situation, it wasn't going to be beneficial to continue the conversation in the manner to which it was going. And so I avoided. I avoided additional stress. I avoided additional concerns. And I believe that I set up a more favorable condition respective to the relationship that I was trying to build with that person. 
So there are actual benefits to avoiding. However, let's talk about some of the costs. If you are constantly avoiding conflict, particularly in the workplace, it will absolutely denigrate you as a professional. It will destroy your relationship and it will make it seem as though you are a people pleaser and you are not able to engage in a way that will drive healthy discussions. Again, it will cause you to feel deep resentment towards the individuals that you are avoiding and perhaps even yourself. Avoiding conflict creates great delays. Earlier I talked about you didn't have the emotional, perhaps you didn't have the emotional bandwidth to specifically address an issue in that moment. Okay, that's fine. That doesn't mean that you should avoid it completely. You do not want to delay talking about a very tough situation. What you want to do rather is address it appropriately in the appropriate time. Finally, another cost of avoiding a conflict is that it will absolutely degrade your ability to communicate and your ability to make decisions. If you are not flexing your courage muscle, there's that phrase again, if you are not flexing your courage muscle, what ends up happening is that that muscle atrophies and you don't know how to specifically address certain things with different individuals whether you are dating a person in a deep relationship with that person whether that person is a sibling or simply someone that you work with and you are trying to get a project completed by deadline you want to make sure that you are not walking on eggshells but rather that you're speaking honestly and that you have an opportunity to learn from that person and present an opportunity for that person to learn from you. Mm-hmm.